Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This episode of the Potterverse is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. And guess what? It's a brand new month, which means that we have a brand new special at Minute With Mary for you, our very valued podcast listeners. So I had a brand new product come out in July. It's eye cream. I don't know about you, but I look tired after being in quarantine and dealing with the pandemic for mm-hmm. so long. Um, and so eye cream is one of the biggest blessings in my life right now because the part of my face that does show is my eyes. Okay, so I need my eyes to look fantastic because... I'm going to feel fantastic if it looks a little bit more perky than how I feel. So this eye cream is amazing. It's going to tighten and brighten. So if you have darkness, if you have fine lines, um, it's already gotten rid of like one of the folds underneath my eyes. I've been really, really impressed. You can get yours at 15% off by going to minutewithmary.com slash discount. Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Welcome. My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I think I would be the biggest Quidditch dork on the planet. Oh, agreed. You'd have uh, oh. all the different posters hung up on your wall. You would have the jerseys. You would have like broken bits of broom. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh my God, a little a little twig fell. I'm gonna go scurry onto the pitch and pick it up. <laughs> I would be a disaster uh, with Quidditch. I think I, I, I yes, absolutely. And when I, when I consider how I am with baseball and football, it, it'd be like if I were dating like some little witch girl, it'd be like, no, 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 it's Quidditch Day. It's Quidditch Day, girl. It's Quidditch Day. Back up. I, I got to get myself ready. I got I to get involved. I got to get my mental game ready, prepared. We got to get some cake and sausage ready for the tailgate. <laughs> we, we, we got things, okay? Don't mess with me. I don't care how many chores we got to do. On Saturday, on Saturday, it's Quidditch Day. <laughs> that would be me. Absolutely me. <laughs> I love you. I love your deal. You would, though. Yeah, I of course. 100%, 100, 100% agree. That would be you. So here we are. We're talking about Chapter 11, Quidditch. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to all of our friends who joined us live for that moment. Um, and here we are. It starts things off saying, as they entered November. Can we just pause for a moment? Sure. This this takes place in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cold in November and December yep. and January and February, and this is when they want to be outside. This is football season, baby. Mm-hmm. But like on brooms, De- definitely not warm right now. No, <laughs> I, I, for some reason in my mind, I've just always pictured. You know what it is? It's the movies because I don't picture them being super duper bundled up while they're playing. There is a couple of scenes where it's a bit cold and windy and blustery, but really it takes place on like sunny, nice days. And I just expected it to be like sixty-seven degrees outside. No, mm-hmm. it is a November where the weather turned very cold. That is literally the first sentence. But, you know, I usually read um, a wee quote from from the chapter. Yes. So I wanted to read. Uh, it's actually not um, 
Here we go. Do, 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 do. Turn my page. I got all thrown off. Got all thrown off. Okay. <clears throat> Harry was speeding toward the ground when the crowd saw him clap his hand to his mouth as though he was about to be sick. He hit the field on all fours, coughed, and something gold fell into his hand. I got the snitch, he shouted, waving it above his head, and the game ended in complete confusion. He didn't catch it. He nearly swallowed it. Flint was still howling 20 minutes later, but it made no difference. Harry hadn't broken any rules, and Lee Jordan was still happily shouting the results. Gryffindor had won by 170 points to 60. Harry heard none of this, though. He was being made a cup of strong tea back at Hagrid's hut with Ron and Hermione. And then the next sentence I love. It was Snape. Ron was explaining. Hermione and I saw him. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is an indication that not only uh, does Harry really hate Snape, but Harry's hatred of Snape is starting to blind Ron and Hermione as well. Well, now they've got proof. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the chapter where our suspicions of Snape mm-hmm. have a lot of substantial evidence to them. You know, before it was just a bad feeling. Snape <laughs> didn't like him. But in this chapter, you know, we're, we're, of course, getting excited about Quidditch and Hermione gives Harry the Quidditch through the ages. But. Harry goes to go get his book that Snape lent him Mm -hmm. and he walks in on Snape being helped by, by Filch and Snape is saying blasted thing. How are you supposed to keep your eyes on all three heads at once? So Harry shut the door quietly, but of course he kind of got caught a little bit there, but like Harry hears proof that Snape was trying to be near the three headed dog on Halloween night. Yeah. It's still a little bit of a stretch. It's still, What's a little bit of a stretch? He was with the three-headed dog on Halloween that's night. That's true. I mean, I, that that's not a stretch. Fact. Fact, not opinion. Fact. And then, <laughs> and then as we're playing with Quidditch, as okay, we are want to say at Mary and Blake Media, fact, not opinion. <laughs> <laughs> as, we, as we go on to play Quidditch, of course, you know Harry's broom goes all sorts of crazy, and Hermione looks over and sees Snape mumbling stuff. She runs on over, jostles a few people on the way, <clears throat> Quirrell, and as she gets there, she you know makes the little spell of fire and stops. Snape from reciting an incantation because he was fact he was casting a spell <laughs> at that moment. Yeah, but what was his, the spell? You, I don't know, and neither do we ever find out what the exact erroneous, spell was. erroneous, Shh. erroneous, all erroneous, circumstantial. No, so here we are. <laughs> yes. Potter's opinion. Victoria agrees with me. Cir- circumstantial evidence. Potter's opinion of Snape has started to to rub off. Ron hates him anyway. Okay, Ron. Ron is all bros with Harry. Like yes. if Harry doesn't like somebody, Ron's got his back. The shocking thing is Hermione. Mm-hmm. Hermione sees Snape doing. Well, this. all right. Well, b- b- before goes, we get before we get into the into the oh, nitty gritty of all this, just okay. want to remind you. Thank you guys for listening, uh, so <laughs> and and all. Mary's not following the document, ladies and gents. <laughs> I'm getting some evil eye at this moment. Wanted to remind you uh, to go to maryandblake.com. <laughs> Wanted to remind you to maryandblake.com. Check out all the great stuff that we got going on there. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to Mary and Blake on all the social media channels. 
just look us up, Mary and Blake. Thank you for all the reviews as well. By the way, we got a we got a slew of reviews in over the past week or so. Hey, thanks. So I think we're you know we're we're heading up there, and I'm Moving I'm very happy. On up. Moving on up to the east side. So. Marvin, are you ready to get into the rest of the show? I truly am. Then now we can do the rest of the stuff that you want to talk about. And if you want to <laughs> convince me that it's not circumstantial, we can do that. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. So in this chapter, without any prior knowledge of having watched the films, of read the other books, as of this chapter, chapter 11... Uh-huh. Snape would be found guilty. Okay? In my opinion, and in Harry's opinion, Dumbledore said, nobody, nobody's supposed to go into the third floor corridor. Harry, Ron, Hermione, Neville know why, because there's a three-headed dog there. Halloween night, a troll was let into the building. And, um... Harry finds out that on that same night, Snape was trying to hang out with that three-headed dog and, and give him a little bit of boo-boo. And then add <laughs> a, little bit of a, a wee bit of a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> and then Snape is saying an incantation, looking at Harry while he's playing Quidditch and his broom's gone but wonky. remember, my darling, the perspective that you're getting is a flawed perspective. The, na- the narrator of this book right now is a flawed narrative. And the funny thing, well, I can't say narrative, but the perspective that we're in is a flawed perspective. And that's because we are in Harry's perspective. Anything that Snape does will be colored in a way that makes him look guilty. Anytime for anything that he does. Granted, there are things that he does in this chapter that are bad. I mean, Snape straight up makes up rules just to get at Harry and take away points from Gryffindor. Like straight up doesn't like just does whatever the hell he wants. Five points, which is the same amount of points that he just earned for knocking out a mountain troll. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Harry. Poor poor Harry. So you know we'll continue to have discussions about Snape, but let's hang here in Quidditch because this is something that Harry excels at. He's so incredibly excited about. Rumor, of course, got around the entire school all too quickly that Harry was was playing Quidditch. Um, And of course, as I said, Hermione gives him this book. They're quite excited. Oh, that was the book. It was the Quidditch Through the Ages. Yes. Um, yeah, jerk. <laughs> jerk. Snape. <laughs> thinks a lot. Um, and he's just really excited. They talk about food. Can we just like savor for a moment the Let's Great Hall? Okay. The next morning dawned very bright and cold. The Great Hall was full of the delicious smell of fried sausages and cheerful chatter of everyone looking forward to a good Quidditch match. Told you, sausage. That's where it's at. For, for your... For your- here on your tailgate for Quidditch, do you like fly? Do you like you know how like in a football football tailgate, people throw footballs and they'll do whatever. Oh yeah. Do you fly in brooms and do you run around? I bet kids have like little pretend brooms and they run around mm-hmm. in the. I don't know, like yeah, because like what? Where do you tailgate when you do Quidditch? Because you don't need to drive your car there. You're taking right. flu powder. You're apparating. Maybe you're driving a broom there yourself. Maybe a Fording. Ugh, I always I'm terrible with how to say that car's name. What? The Anglia of the Ford, the blue car. Oh, oh, the Anglia. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was saying it right. Yeah. Anglia. 
It I, feels weird to say. Do you say think like the Quidditch hottos are out there like on their brooms who are like 45, 50 years old who really shouldn't be on brooms? They're still squeezing into their oh, like yeah, their old, robes. old robes and like they're frayed and the pit stains, but they're still so proud. <laughs> so proud. They're into it. Like they're, they're wearing their captain's shirt. You know, they, you know, they got like, do you think they have Quidditch townies that just like remember back to the good old days like Al Bundy? <laughs> <laughs> we get to hang out with one of my besties in these books, Lee Jordan, who is just such an amazing and obnoxious commentator. I do find it fun that they had a student who is from the house that's playing. You'd think that they would have like a student commentator from each house. And then as teams are playing, they would pick someone else. Like, why wouldn't they have a student commentator from Hufflepuff or from Ravenclaw? MC this game like obviously whoever's MCing is gonna slant the commentary towards more, their team more favoritism towards Gryffindor I don't know I'm just throwing that out there probably Professor McGonagall picked the commentator of course she did I mean let's be real Lee Jordan's super fun and probably everyone loves his commentary except the Slytherins because <laughs> Gryffindors win anyway. Um, so Hagrid of course comes and I love how he says I've been watching from my hut <clears throat> how how Hagrid how have you been watching from your hut because I gotta tell you at least in the movies the Quidditch pitch is far away and Hagrid's hut is like in a little valley maybe he's got them uh well no he's in the crowd no he says he comes in later and he says budge up there move along and he says he's been watching from my hut so he maybe he had some special kind of device mm -hmm. to like portray it because I when I read that I was like Hagrid no, you weren't. Maybe you could hear it from your hut. How the heck did you see it, buddy? Um, so, of course, you know, they're flying all around. Oh, and they get this issue with the broom. And mind you, Harry's been practicing. He's been practicing undercover, which is really cool. That Wood didn't want truly the secret of his new seeker to be out. Um, but he's... Harry innately knows how to fly this thing. And he knows right away that the broom is not responding to his cues. Mm -hmm. um, so it's pretty, just imagine how scary that is, especially for someone like Harry, who wasn't raised flying, who, mind you, he saw that Neville had a broken wrist and that, you know, it was easily fixed. But like, I don't know, I'd be really, really scared that high in the air not knowing if Madame Pomfrey would be able to put me back together again, not knowing, you know, resto momentum would be shouted. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just the fear for this, once again, 11-year-old. Just out there, just playing a game that he should not be playing from no. the jump. One of the things that comes out of this, too, is that once, once again, Hagrid defends Snape. Once again, H Hagrid's like, no, 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 he wouldn't, uh, you know... Uh, he wouldn't try uh, to, to steal something. Um, oh, actually, no, wait, I'm sorry. This is uh, Hermione. Hermione is saying this. I apologize. Never mind. Hey, no, I got you. Wow. Messed yeah. that up. And then um, Hermione, of course, is the one that's able to kind of save the day. Later on, the trio is in Hagrid's hut. So this is this is also too like, you know, we had that moment with Neville where he saw the three-headed dog and he's just never brought it back up again. Mm -hmm. I do hear footsteps. Um, I just love, yeah, a couple of things have have gone on and Neville's just peaced out when it comes to these kind of conversations or hanging out with these, these crazy dangerous people. Mm -hmm. um, so here they are in his hut and Ron's saying, 
you know, it was Snape. Hermione and I both saw him. And Hagrid just kind of like lets it drop a little bit. Um, Harry says the three-headed dog and Hagrid brings up Fluffy. And what's really cool is that Fluffy was bought off from a Greek chappy that he met in a <laughs> pub last year. I lent him to Dumbledore to guard. Like, where have you been keeping Fluffy? Yeah, like, where do you just have a space for him? Does, is he next to Aragog? Is there like, like- a doggy daycare that fits <laughs> mythical dogs? What's cool is that, like, three-headed dogs, it's... Um, um, it's in Greek, like folklore and myths. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that like a three headed dog is interwoven into this story, but that he got it from a Greek chappy. Yeah, that's really cool. Another, another bit of cool little detailed world building from the author who is, again, very good at this kind of stuff. Very like has such immense talent with this like this texture Mm. and like a Greek guy just having this three headed dog. Like how cool is that? Yeah. And like you were saying, Hermione then goes kind of head to head with Hagrid. Once again, 11 year old child going head to head with this adult saying like, no, I know a jinx when I see one Hagrid. Mind you, Hermione's muggle-born. She's only been in school for two and a half months. Sure. But she knows a jinx when she's seen one. Well, because she's a know-it-all. Because I've read all about them. Um, You have to be keeping eye contact. Yeah, so this is just another sign, exactly, that she does come off a bit like a know-it-all. She did know that he was was saying a spell. Um, And this is when Hagrid drops. There's nothing that you 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 need to meddle with. This is just between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Oh, and and that's something that he should not be dropping. Hagrid cannot, (laughs) Hagrid cannot shut his mouth. He He cannot be in the circle of trust. He should be. It should be the circle of trust right here in Hagrid out, uh, out on Maz. Poor Poor thing. Um, Dropping Nicholas Flamel's name, which is really important because Nicholas Flamel was actually a real guy. He is a real person. Nicholas Flamel in, in, in real life. He's a real alchemist. In the 1300s. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's a real dude. So I, I, it's it's important. It's and it goes to show you. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that Dumbledore was in the you know alive in the 1300s, but it goes to show you the age that D- Dumbledore has and the kind of um, reach that he has. Mm. But you you mentioned the jinx on the broom, Mary, and that's really important. Is this? I, I know we know that it's Quirrell who is who's doing the jinx. But is it actually Voldemort that's doing the jinx? Ooh. Is this Voldemort's first like pitch or first attempt at not trying to kill Harry necessarily? I mean, maybe kill him, but is it his first attempt at to to get Harry out of the way? Well, I mean, it's definitely influenced by Voldemort. I doubt Quirrell pre-possessed by Voldemort would have chosen to do this. Mm-hmm. But Voldemort is in charge of him. I don't know if one could say it was like the imperious curse. To be honest, I don't fully understand the technicalities of how Quirrell is manipulated mm-hmm. by Lord Voldemort. Sure. You know, like, is it because he's on the back of his head that he has access to his brain or right. was he able to do the imperious curse? So I, I don't think of Quirrell as Quirrell. You know what I mean? I see him as a puppet for Voldemort at this point. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm wondering, does Voldemort sense Harry number one and number two, does he sense Harry in a way that he realizes this is bad for me. Yeah. This is the kind of person that, you know, this is the person that put an end to me and he senses that power. 
do I need to extinguish this flame? That's right now? why he chose Quirrell. Voldemort could have chosen to sneak on anybody. Sure. Literally, body, get it? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> but he chose a professor at Hogwarts that teaches first years. Right. He went back to Hogwarts because he wants to eradicate Harry Potter. Sure, sure. And it's great because Hermione, once again, for the sake of Harry, is doing something that is totally beyond her character, something that she never would have done before, which is literally light Professor Snape on fire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel like there are less you know, like torturous things you can do to somebody than to light them on fire. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite lines about this, Hermione had become a bit more relaxed about breaking the rules since Harry and Ron had saved her from the mountain troll and she was much nicer for it. Like, like exactly. She's just like, what ifs I'll put a teacher on fire. This will be absolutely (laughs) fine. And, but she's breaking the rules and she's breaking the rules in, in a, in a way that again, it feels justified. She's protecting Harry. Both she and Ron are there for Harry. And another funny thing happens too. She essentially knocks over Quirrell, which again, the blindness of it all is that yes, Hermione knocks Quirrell over, which is a, a bit, if you wanted to make the case, if you wanted to squint at it real tight, you could say that's foreshadowing. Uh, but it make it, the the blindness of it all is that oh yeah I light I light I lit Snape on fire, but she's not considering the fact that she knocked Quirrell over. Correct. So obviously it has to be Snape. I lit him on fire. Of course, he, of course he was the one doing the jinx. Any of us would make that assumption, especially being eleven years old. Mm-hmm. Had these things happened, and that's why you know you can read it, and because. The first time you read this book, you don't know the truth. You don't know the outcome. So by reading this, yeah, you got some pretty, pretty interesting facts laid up against Snape. So this, of course, what's the whistle for the trio to want to learn more about Nicholas Flamel? You know, Harry is excited about his Quidditch win where he swallowed the snitch, by the way. Sure. You know, this is the first snitch he's ever caught. He swallows it, and that's an important point for later on in the books. Um, but it's just, it solidifies these three once again that something bigger is going on, and they are hungry to figure it out. And not only are they hungry to figure it out, but they're in the middle of it. I mean, they are smack dab right in the middle of it. And there are a couple of things that I do want to bring up here, uh, which are consequences um, th- there are no real consequences for the trio in this case. I mean, Harry really shouldn't have any. I mean, he's just he's out there doing Quidditch and he's and he's winning. Um, but um, there's nothing for Ron, and there's no textual consequence for for Hermione <laughs> lighting again, lighting a professor on fire and knocking a professor over. I think it's there's a perfect no- Gryffindor move. You know, you don't have to think it through; just help that person. If it can help somebody, try it out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just just give it a, just jump right in. Don't even think about it. Just do it. I mean, honestly, I think I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. If I would have seen my friend dangling by his fingertips and seen someone who I didn't think so well about, uh, who I thought was coming after my friend, who I know was attacked by the three-headed dog, very mysterious, see him doing the jinx. Mm-hmm. You know what I would have done. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that happens here too is 
there, first of all, the author does an incredible job at keeping Quidditch, the game itself, uh, interesting. It's hard. It, it's it's not only is it hard, it's it's incredibly daunting mm. to write um, anything about sports, especially a, a fast-moving sport. A fast-moving fictional sport that one we've that, never yeah, seen. No one's ever seen it. No <laughs> yeah. one knows what to even, how to even comprehend it. At the time, we didn't have the films. At the time, we didn't have the... Muggle Quidditch uh, the, at college we universities. Have, we, didn't, we didn't have the illustrated version. It was just words on a page. That was yeah. it. Yet, the, the author keeps Quidditch interesting. Yes. And you get this amazing, um, again, tactile way to um, interpret Quidditch. And something that I really love, and it, it, at the end of this chapter, Harry says, I've got the snitch, he shouted, waving it above his head. And the game ended in complete confusion. But then she goes on and she says this really, like, this really interesting thing. He didn't catch it. He nearly swallowed it. Flint was still howling 20 minutes later, but it made no difference. Harry hadn't broken any rules, and Lee Jordan was still happily shouting the result. Gryffindor had won by 170 points to 60. Which, by the way, let's just go over that logic real quick. 150 points goes to the... Uh, the, the, the seeker snitch, when the you seeker. get the snitch, right. yes. So they were losing 60 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the game's over, they went 170 Harry swallows the snitch, they're the winners. <laughs> Harry heard... Flint had cheated, so fine. Harry had heard none of this, though. He was being made a cup of strong tea back in Hagrid's hut with Ron and Hermione. And then from there, it goes from... I like that you and I read the same passage. Oh, it's... it's But it's a... Uh, <laughs> no, it's, like, it's so important. It's so important on multiple levels. One, because there is this POV switch that is a, re a really, like, sharp POV switch. And it happens a couple of times in this chapter. And I, and I don't know if that is a good thing or if that's a bad thing. So, mm -hmm. number one, I'd like to get your opinion on that. And number two, it, it immediately goes from that to it was Snape. There, there's no transition. There's nothing. It's just a boom, just a sharp turn. And you, you get that sense that Snape is the bad guy. But why? Why is Harry not celebrating? What, what pulled him from okay. the celebration? I'll tell you what. Yes, very exciting. I won a game. I almost just died. I almost just died and my friends are telling me that Snape was jinxing me and that it wasn't until Hermione set him on fire that it stopped. And while we're at it, I just overheard him saying that he was trying to get by the three-headed dog. Yeah, but no, none of this occurs. What do you mean none of what occurs? No, none of this occurs. I mean, they go from um, yeah, winning I, the game, yeah. winning the match to He's Harry saying, I got, I got the thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, hot. That's it. Yeah. They don't want to celebrate. They're ready to pieces together because that was really scary. Yeah, but what, something about Harry to me would suggest that this is his thing. This is what he has accomplished. Whether or not it was fortuitous that he just happened to almost swallow the snitch, that aside, he still won. Flying is his thing. An exception has been made for him to be part of the Quidditch team. Being a Gryffindor, he earned it. 
he is not so, one to turn fame. I mean, so if Harry was a Slytherin, I agree with you. I think he would have gone back to the common room and I think he would be having some celebrations. Maybe Lavender Brown would make out with him for a little bit. It was uh, like a congratulations that, thing. That hussy. <laughs> I have no idea. But Harry, for as long as we've now known him at Hogwarts, has been feeling something very wrong and very unfair about Professor Snape. And one of the big things, of course, that's important to Gryffindors is people being fair. And he was just treated very unfairly. He was just, you know, during his first big game, Mm -hmm. he was also put in trouble. And he knows that people are in trouble, that there's a three-headed dog here. There's something that's supposed to be protected that's important and people are in trouble. So he is putting the greater good ahead of himself. Um, I think that's Richard. a, I think that's a fair assessment. I just wonder, he is 11 years old. Harry very rarely though, thinks of himself. He doesn't like being the chosen one. Uh, he, there's only like, in you know the sixth book when like a lot of girls like him that he's, he's like, like yeah, oh this is I kind am of the chosen cool. one <laughs> but aside from that you know this is all still so new to him and really like part of Harry's core is to right wrongs mm-hmm. and is to find solutions and answers and that is more important to him than fame and glory um okay I'm not I don't buy it I'm not I'm not I know, it's like because you're a Slytherin I'm not a hundred percent like sold but I'm I'm willing to have that conversation. I'm willing to listen to you. About he almost it. just died, and he wants to talk about it and digest it with his friends with a strong cup of tea because that was really scary. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, do you want to take a different perspective on this chapter, my darling, or if you have anything else to go? Um, a different perspective. Let's go for Snape. Okay. What do you got? Okay. So spoilers. We're going to talk about things from Snape's perspective. So if you don't really want to talk about this, here's your warning. So here we are with Snape and he's tried to get in through to Fluffy, um, gets injured and feels comfortable going to Filch. Why wouldn't he go to Madame Pomfrey? Why wouldn't he know how to solve this problem himself? Why would he go to speak to Filch? Because Filch has, hmm, Hmm. That's a good question. Is it because Filch won't ask questions? That's what I was wondering. I feel like Madame Pomfrey is just like a nosy nurse well, and would kind of like putz around and mention because because nobody else seems to be in on this that Snape like you don't you don't get the gist that Professor McGonagall knows that Snape hung out with Fluffy and was trying to do something Halloween night, aka mm-hmm. stop quarrel. Um, you know, you you don't get that sense. And I feel like Filch just like he knows what's happening. He he knows about Fluffy. He knows that there's stuff there. And I feel like Snape would be like, this guy can just keep it to himself. He doesn't have any friends to tell him to over like <laughs> coffee one day. So he's trying to get fixed. It's this vulnerable moment of his. And who but the one child that he does not want to see pops in. Harry Harry freaking Potter Potter Harry freaking Potter. That's gonna be our new our new drop. A little yeah. That's gonna be our new drop. <laughs> so he comes on in. And overhears what he says. He, of course, you know, had taken away his book because it was from the library. He just like hates this kid. So just like how Harry innately hates him, he has the same feeling. And it makes me think about, you know, when you just get that bad vibe from somebody, you meet them and you're like, oh, we are magnets, but the wrong side of the magnet. Absolutely. Like this is not going to click. And how awkward that must be for him as a teacher who's taught kids for, you know, many, many years. Like this is an 11 year old kid. 
who rubs him so the wrong way. Yeah, it, and it's not the kid's fault. It's his dad's fault, uh, the, the kid's dad's fault. But Harry also gives him bad vibes. Um, Harry's not like, hi, Professor Snape. I can't wait to learn yeah, from but you. Is, but but is Harry giving him bad vibes because It's Snape, chicken and egg. Is Snape the one that's giving the bad vibes off? My recollection from the potions master wasn't that, you know, Harry just all of a sudden, you know, no, it Snape. was Snape. Yeah, it was Snape. A new celebrity. Yeah. yeah, it was Snape. And then, of course, as soon as that happens, then immediately Harry's going to start acting the way that he's yeah. going to start acting. And not only is Harry uh, associating Snape with hatred, but he's also associating Snape with, when you look at it very closely, he's associating Snape with greed. He, mm. It must be. It must be that he was there to steal whatever Fluffy see, was guarding. I see him associated just with this broad sense of Slytherin. You know, all of his interactions with Draco Malfoy, the lying, the the greediness, the spoiled, um, the fact that they've gone bad, and then everything he's just known in general about Slytherin. Sure. He knows that Snape's a Slytherin, that he's the house of Slytherin, you know, just kind of encapsulates all of that. And then we, of course, have the Quidditch match. So... Uh, how did this awkward situation happen where Snape has to sit next to Quirrell, make small talk about Quidditch, eat some sausages together, <laughs> you know, maybe share some like hot ham pockets What or I want to know is if, if Snape's sitting next to Quirrell and they're sitting that close, yeah. don't, don't that guy smell? Like, do I wouldn't want to be around that guy yeah, at all. They, no, they did say he smelled. That's they what said I'm saying. that Quirrell smelled really bad. That's what I'm saying. If I'm Snape, I wouldn't want to be around that guy. He always has a cold. He can't smell. Right, so... No, if that's the case, you're not understanding Alan Rickman's voice. Sounds oh, like he oh. always has a stuffy nose. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, then it makes you feel like Quirrell and Snape got a little bit more going on that the text isn't showing you. Because why is Snape sitting so close to Quirrell? To keep his eye on Quirrell because he knows because Quir he knows that Quirrell just tried to get into Fluffy. Oh, good point. Okay, fair enough. You're right. You're right. You're right. Forgot. Forgot. But it makes you wonder why wouldn't Snape just go tell Dumbledore? Snape, I think, wants to, the, the Slytherin pride, I want to win and I want to celebrate this. I think that's what keeps Snape from holding out that, oh, I almost caught him getting into, you know, the third floor corridor. And then he's sitting next to him at Quidditch. He's, he's, he's sitting next, he chose to sit next to him. Yeah. Okay, he could have sat anywhere else, but he's choosing to sit next to Quirrell. And to keep an eye on him, sees Quirrell doing a jinx on Harry. Rather than turning around and being like, excuse me, faculty, yeah. this guy's being crazy and is jinxing Harry Potter. He tries to counter curse him. Right. Why? Other than just to be able to catch him himself and like stop him? Well, I, I uh, again, we get into narrative force. The, the book needs Quirrell to keep going because if Snape automatically outs him, the book's over. Right. Uh, the, all, all of the stuff that's happening is no longer valid. So there is a little bit of convenience there that Snape is the one that knows this stuff and isn't doing anything. Yet, I feel like there is some textual evidence to the fact that Snape wants the defense against the dark arts job. And perhaps if he outs Quirrell, uh too soon, no one's going to believe him. But if he catches him and he gets any and he really like nails him, then maybe Dumbledore will give him the defense against the Dark Arts. Um, no, no, N no. Why not? Well, because Snape knows that Quirrell's bad, and Dumbledore knows that Quirrell's bad. 
Okay. They're just baiting Dumbledore. It's not necessarily I want to do the. I'm not, they're just baiting Voldemort. Like, it's not a job thing. That's what's so tough for Voldemort uh, for Snape. Yeah, I but think- Dumbledore doesn't know that. That's yes, Snape. He, does. he knows that Snape is, uh, is Snape. He Quirrell? knows that Voldemort is on Quirrell's head. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair yes. enough. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take it. Dumbledore knows what's up with Quirrell. He's using Harry as bait this entire time. Uh, okay. And gotcha. he tells gotcha. Snape to watch out for Quirrell. Yep. Gotcha. And they need these things to unfold, which is why, you know, as we're going to find out in the next chapter, more things unfold. So Kate, Kate asks, does he really know what is the evidence on Facebook? The thing that we're not privy to at this moment, because textually there is no evidence suggesting that Dumbledore knows, number one, and there's no evidence suggesting that uh, that Snape knows, number two. But we do get that in what it was in one of it was, it was one of the memories, right? I think he knows something's up. Yes. But no, like there's something's up. There is something that happens in later books where it's like, Hey, keep an eye on Quirrell. Something's up with him. Yeah. And it's, it's Dumbledore talking to Snape. I remember that. I don't think he's like Voldemort's hanging out in the back of his head. Right. But I think they know something's fishy's up. And I think that they know they're playing. They're, they're baiting. I know they're baiting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what this all is. It's all sadly like this this trap that if he is out there, we're going to find a way to lure him and catch him. Yep. And he knows that something is not quite right with Quirrell. Mm-hmm. Got it. Which it is. It's the tough thing for me right now because it's like, does Snape, are Snape and, and Dumbledore having conversations right now? Like when Hagrid's having tea with Hagrid, with Hagrid is Snape going to Dumbledore's office being like, yeah, so, you know, you know how you told me to keep my eye on Quirrell? Can I tell you what happened the past two days? Like, right. <laughs> can we have a write-up on this guy? So Kate is on Facebook is, is following up saying they don't really know. Like, they don't really know that it's Voldemort on Quirrell's head. I imagine that's what she's referring to. Um, I think he knows something's off. No, he knows that something is off because we get that memory later on. I don't, I don't remember what book and I don't remember what film it was, but Dumbledore absolutely tells Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell. Absolutely. Let me see. Rebecca says Dumbledore knows too much. It's so annoying. He irritates me. He basically treats Harry like crap in essence for the whole series. Well, don't ask Reddit because Reddit's like Dumbledore knew. Okay. Don't ask the Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's funny. Okay. Hold on. Um, yeah, I'll have to, you know, we'll come back and we'll do some, some, uh, more research on this because I know he knows something's off. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember that specifically. And I know I've said that now a number of times. Um, And Kate says, something off does not equal knowing. (laughs) Kate, good point. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Clarification. Um, Okay. Um, There are no emails for this particular chapter. uh, Because it's basic. Yeah, this is when the book starts to get a little basic. Although next chapter, (laughs) next chapter is an exception. Yeah. Next chapter is an exception uh, in that speaks volumes about our characters on multiple levels. But uh, the, the the book here starts to like take some detours that I wonder if it was really necessary okay. to have. Uh, the, 
the mirror of Erised's important, and it's important for a number of reasons. But like well, we Nicholas Flamel and Norwegian Ridgeback and all of those, I, I'm not, you know. We're going to get into it. So on that note. Yes, we're going to get into it. So um, how do you want to handle this, Mary? Because we're, we're going to close this episode, staying live, start the new episode. Okay, so for those of you who are live with us right now, I'm going to edit all of this up, this particular part out for the podcast. For those of you who are with us uh, live, uh, stick with us. We're going to close the podcast and then we are going to do a, a, a whole new open, a whole new intro and everything for the pod for the next chapter. So stick with us. Okay. All right, Bob, are you ready to close this bad boy out? Yes. Let's do it. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Potterverse. We will clear up some confusion on my end about Dumbledore and knowing. <laughs> you can tell my taste of Dumbledore has soured over time. The poor guy. It's not that it's soured. It's just multidimensional right now. But uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We are so blessed to have you coming on over and listening to each of these episodes. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Again, go to maryblake.com. Check out all of the great podcasts that we have there, all the great blogs that we have going on there. Check out us uh, on the social media webs. Just look up Mary and Blake on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. We're there. We're having fun. And if you find any value in what we do here, go to jointhenerdclan.com. Help support Mary and Blake Media in all of the efforts that we're trying to do. There There is rumor that I may be doing Midnight Sun and Blake's Book Club. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what happens. We're just going to throw it out there. We are. So on that note, my name's Mary. My name's Blake. Mischief Managed. Mischief Managed.